Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. Let's talk about section 68 of the Doctrine and Covenants. And actually, how about we start with one little uh, uh, footnote or addendum to section 67. I invite you to read section 1 of the Doctrine and Covenants this week, and potentially as well section 133, because both of them were given at the same time as section 67 and 68 and 69 and 70 in this conference in November 1831. And when you understand the context of at least William McClellan, maybe others, having an issue with the language in the Revelations, there's some things that stand out, uh, to me at least, uh, in section 1 as the uh, preface to the Doctrine and Covenants, the Book of Commandments that the Lord gave. And when he gave it, there was this, they were, he gave it to these men at this time. Obviously, it's for us in our time, in our day. But what was the circumstance and situation around which in which it was given? And so then when the Lord says, What I, the Lord, have spoken, I have, I have spoken, and I excuse not myself. Seems a little bit more powerful when you understand the questions that maybe they were having about uh, some of these revelations and publishing them. And there's a, there's some other things in in these, in section one as well, that, that speaks to that type of thing. The Lord says he speaks in the language of, of men for their understanding. And, um, so anyway, just, uh, an invitation and a thought about section one as it relates to this week's study. Section 68. Um, in November, uh, this conference, there were several men, uh, Orson Hyde, Luke Johnson, Lyman Johnson, and William McClellan came to the prophet and wanted some uh, more revelation uh, about their role in, in the ongoing work. And I love this is from the section heading of section 668. Although this revelation was given in response to supplication that the mind of the Lord be made known concerning the, the elders named, much of the content pertains to the whole church. And so, again, just that continuing theme. Um, verse four, and whatsoever they shall speak when moved upon by the Holy Ghost shall be scripture, shall be the will of the Lord, shall be the mind of the Lord, shall be the word of the Lord, shall be the voice of the Lord and the power of God unto salvation. Wherefore, be of good cheer and do not fear for I, the Lord, am with you and will stand by you even, and ye shall bear record of me, even Jesus Christ, that I am the son of, uh, the living God that I was, that I am, and that I am, am to come. I remember back in section 60, section 67, the Lord promised that we can learn that he is. This is a continuation of that promise. And how do we get that promise? By obtaining revelation. And by speaking that revelation, it's by uh, standing as a witness of of him. So, verse 4, which I just read, deals with what is scripture, okay? What is... what? It, um, what makes up scripture, what qualifies and class, is classified as scripture. Peter said, this is from Second Peter chapter 1, Prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they are moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Such scripture has been written and preserved in the standard works as priceless gems of eternal truth. The standard works are not the only source of scripture. President Joseph Fielding Smith taught, When one of the brethren stands before the congregation of the people today, and an inspiration of the Lord is upon him. He speaks that which the Lord would have him speak. It is just as much scripture as anything you will find written in any of these records. And yet we call these the standard works of the church. We depend, of course, upon the guidance of the brethren who are entitled to inspiration. Harold B. Lee 
said, It is not to be thought that every word spoken by the general authorities is inspired or that they are moved upon by the Holy Ghost in everything they read and write. Now you keep that in mind. I don't care what his position is. If he writes something or speaks something that goes beyond the works, unless that one be the prophet, seer and revelator, please note that one exception, you may immediately say, well, that is his own idea. And if the standard, uh, and if he says something that contradicts what is found in the standard uh, church works, I think that is why we call them standard. It is the standard measure of all that men teach. You may know that by the same token that it is false, regardless of the pro- the position of the man who says it. And so, what Elder uh, presently is teaching here is that the prophet, the prophet can say something that contradicts scripture. Why? Why can he say that? Because he's going to receive something for us right now. He's going to be the spokesman. The Hebrew word for prophet is navi which actually means spokesperson. He speaks for the Lord. The Lord can give us different direction. Now, you know, people will say, well, I thought that the Lord doesn't change. Second Nephi chapter 29 teaches us that just because the Lord has spoken one word doesn't mean he can't speak another. That would be, that would put limitations on God. He's going to speak what we need for our time. That would mean that revelation can't happen. You know, think about revelation that has happened, that has changed, that, uh, that, those things couldn't happen without a prophet receiving revelation, right? That said, Scripture is in large measure when spoken by the prophets and by general authorities and other stake presidents, bishops. It's going to align with the standard works. That's, as President Lee said, it's why we call them the standard works, is it's the standard measure by which we can tell if something is of the mind and will of God. Uh, President J. Reuben Clark kind of put the, how we tell something scripture, he put it on us rather than on the speaker. He said, how do we know if the things they have spoken were said as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost? I have some thought, I have put some thought to this question and the answer there to it, so far as I can determine is we can tell when the speakers are moved upon by the Holy Ghost, only when we ourselves are moved upon by the Holy Ghost. In a way, this completely shifts the responsibility from them to us to determine when they so speak. So it's up to us uh, to to be able to pray about something that is spoken, to study it, and seek the personal revelation that's required to, to know and understand that. Verse 10, And he that believeth shall be blessed with signs following even as it is written. And, it, you know, signs follow after the, the believers, right? And I always love this because it's always the, it's the word follow that's important to me. It follows the belief. Faith precedes the miracle. Signs, this is a, a quote from the Institute Manual that I really loved. Signs are the offspring of faith and serve to confirm righteousness. They are to confirm what we that we are living the Lord's way. They are to confirm our faith that we've already exercised. Um, in this section, there's an interesting note about the literal descendants of Aaron becoming a bishop and with no counselors. Um, and actually through my studies this week, I learned this. I, I had heard this and I thought I knew it about it, but it turns out according to Joseph Fielding Smith, this is specifically about the presiding bishop and not like a bishop of a ward. Um, and so only the office of the presiding bishop is, is impacted by this revelation, which we can also see from verses 22 through 24, where it's discussed on who would try the, the bishop as it were. Um, in cases of transgression, well, 
your bishop today, should your bishop commit some serious sin in your ward, the um, high council and stake presidency have jurisdiction. So that's who would have, who would do that. But if it was the presiding bishop, then it would be um, the first presidency who has jurisdiction, which is what we see in, in verses 23 to 24, which is one reason why we can also relate that verses 15 through 21 that directly precede it, talking about the sons of Aaron and having the right to the, the bishop uh, position is also relating to the presiding bishopric. So uh, just an interesting note. It's also it's interesting to me because it's something I'd actually been thinking about recently. Um, I have a friend that I met recently who is uh, from Israel, Hebrew by descent, uh, Jewish uh, man who... Um, according to the, his his family history and uh, genealogy story, they are from uh, Aaron, and so I'd, I'd been thinking about this. And I thought, you know, interesting that if he were a member of the church, uh, what that might mean in terms of knowing that he's from from Aaron. Anyway, maybe maybe it means nothing, and so I was just thinking about it. So just a little personal touch there. Uh, verses twenty five through twenty six. Um, talks about parents teaching the gospel to their children. And this is where I will say I spent most of my study this week and in Come Follow Me, there is a uh, talk referenced near the end of the chapter of Come Follow Me. Uh, Tad R. Callister from uh, October 2014, Parents, the Prime Gospel Teachers of Their Children. Highly, highly recommend. It's a great talk. I love Elder Callister anyway, but uh, super awesome. In talking about raising and teaching our children, President Harold B. Lee said, there are five points uh, by which parents could teach faith. First, their children were to be baptized when they had reached the age of accountability. Second, they were to be taught to pray. Third, they were taught to walk uprightly before the Lord. So I'd say first, baptism, you know, teaching them about the baptism and preparing them. Second is teaching them to pray. Third would be obedience, teaching them obedience. Fourth, they were taught to keep the Sabbath day holy in particular. And fifth, uh, their school to not be idle, either in the church or in their private lives. So be to be industrious, to be hard workers. Um, all parents who have followed that formula and have taught, so taught their children have reaped the reward of an increased faith in their family, which has stood and will yet stand the test of difficulties into which their children would yet go. So that's what... Uh, presently taught. Uh, and Eldon Tanner, Tanner thought, taught children children who are taught obedience to honor and obey the law, to have faith in God and to keep his commandments, will, as they grow up, honor their parents and be a credit to them. And they'll be able to meet and solve their problems, find greater success and joy in life, and contribute greatly to the solution of the problems now causing the world such great concern. It is up to parents to see that it is their children, that their children are prepared through obedience to the law for the positions of leadership that they will occupy in the future, where their where their responsibility will bring will be to bring peace and righteousness to the world. In in greater and greater measure, the world is not going to teach your children right from wrong. I think of the family proclamation and how vastly different popular culture and society at large are from that revelation from God at this point. Your children, should should they be left to 
our children, I should say, should they be left to society, would not learn basic truths about gender and male and female roles, would not learn basic truths about husbands and wives. And that's why Elder Callister seven years ago taught that parents are the prime gospel teachers for their children. That's why Elder Lee uh, taught this in 1952, and Eldon Tanner in 1970, and Spencer W. Kimball in 1974. President Kimball um, taught very similar, I'm not going to read his whole quote, but very similar things to what I've read here from President Lee and from President uh, Tanner. But Spencer W. Kimball did say, uh, he added, there is no guarantee, of course, that righteous parents will succeed always in holding their children. Their children have their free agency. But if we as parents fail to influence our families and set them on the straight and narrow way, then certainly the waves of winds and temptation will carry their posterity away from the path. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What we do know is that righteous parents who strive to develop wholesome influences for their children will be held blameless in that last day, and that they will succeed in saving most of their children, if not all. And I would also add this, that if you are righteous and teaching your children, no matter what they choose, trust the Lord. Surely the celestial kingdom would not be the celestial kingdom in eternal joy and bliss without them. Not that the Lord is going to overcome and over and, you know, uh, stamp out their own uh, agency and will, but trust the Lord. Trust that he will find a way. Um, section 68 wraps up with uh, a commandment about praying in verse 33. President Benson said, I have little to no fear that the boy or the girl or the young man or the young woman who honestly and conscientiously supplicates God twice a day for the guidance of his spirit. I am sure that when temptation comes, they will have the strength to overcome it by inspiration that shall be given to them. Supplicating the Lord for the guidance of his spirit places around us a safeguard. And if we earnestly and honestly seek the guidance of the spirit of the Lord, I can assure you that we will receive it. Like I'm not perfect. And there are times that that I struggle in life and I get depressed and down and downtrodden. But one thing I do know is that when I ask the Lord for daily bread, just the strength to get through just that day, the Lord hears and answers. And as we pray every day, every day, every day, and as President Benson says, at least twice a day, morning and night, we begin to tie those prayers together and praying always. We'll be given the strength that we need to get through whatever challenges may be. Um, that's my testimony of prayer. That we may not see the deliverance that we're seeking immediately, but immediately death, the plan of salvation, begin to take effect in our life as soon as we ask for that help. Thank you for listening. Best of luck in your studies this week. I hope you join me as we continue our study through sections 69 and 70.